on this week's final show of the season. Dartford hoping to bounce back after penalty heartbreak. He will fight back big time and I know that uh, he'll be looking to get a strong squad together for next year and making a real, real push for the championship. Bromley play the waiting game over their new squad. We're just making sure that we're able to sustain whatever we say we're going to be able to do for the rest of the season. And as the season finally ends, we pick our moment, player and manager of the campaign. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Kent Only Podcast brought to you in association with Workforce Dimensions Limited. It's our final show of the season. A long, long old season is coming to a close, uh, but we've still got a couple more belting interviews for you before we sign off until, well, sometime soon. Uh, I'm John Phipps and earlier on today I discovered that three years ago today was the first time ever that an episode of the Kent Nolly podcast was released. So just like every other good three-year-old's birthday party, I've hired a clown. Matt Gerard, how are you? Hey, three years. Three. Some people said it would never last more than one episode. but That was awesome. The num- yeah, the numbers have been good though, mate, haven't they? People in, in lockdown, we have, we'll have to speak to our marketing team to see what the average has been, at marketing team, aka you, <laughs> um, what our average has been in lockdown but it has been pretty high and we've had some nice um somebody said that we feel like old friends to them didn't they somebody i don't know who said this i can't remember the name i think it was uh, roberto over in uh in belgium the one who shares your birthday what a man he is um, he is so yes that's very kind of him to, to to say that so three years john it's been all up so i would say it's been great fun yeah it has been a blast actually really really enjoy uh bringing you the show every single week and uh yeah, hopefully uh, we'll, we'll still be going strong when we get to our fourth birthday this time next year. But who knows what, what sort of football there'll be on then? Well, we could be talking about the season that never was, John. Can we do a whole year <laughs> without any football? Because at the moment, as we talk about later, I think that could be the case. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, Matt just said we've had some good uh, listening figures since we went into lockdown mode. And, and uh, must say last week's interview... Uh, with Mickey Collins certainly caused a bit of a stir, uh, and uh, it it proved pretty much as we'll be discussing later on that he was he was bang on the money. So uh, fair play to him, and and thanks to everybody who, who shared that last week. We do really 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 appreciate it. So thank you ever so much uh, for that. It is our 133rd episode this week, and I did say last week um, that I was bored of um, a meaningless number things. So I did find out about 133. I asked people to do seeing 133 times. I think. I've managed to annoy Haley 133 times this week, which is um, probably a good week for me. Um, it's also a happy number, apparently, whatever that is. Uh, it is the nickname of Craig Jones. Now, Craig do, Jones. Well, exactly. He is uh, the sampler and keyboardist from Slipknot. Slipknot? The, uh, yes, the band, the heavy metal band. Why would, why would anybody have... Is he 133 centimetres high? I don't know. No, that'd be really diddy, wouldn't that, it? You must like Slipknot. That's not, is that a bit too heavy for you? Yeah, a bit heavy for me. Um, but I do, while we're talking about the numbers of the shows, um, I do have a bit of a confession to make. Because uh, I was looking back through, um, just to look, I was looking for some stuff last week, and I discovered that, I mean, I do quite a bit for this show, so does Matt. But well, you do one a lot of more my, than I do. <laughs> one of my jobs is to just say what episode it is. And... Um, it became very apparent to me that we didn't have an episode 127. Really? We jumped, we, we? We somehow skipped from 126 to 128. So technically, this is our 132nd episode, but we've already been there, so I can't call it that. So we're just going to have to sort of uh, imagine that 127... It's like uh, Nelson. Yeah, I mean, we, we could have talked about the, uh, that, that film with that Danny Boyle did on 127, um, about the guy who chopped his arm off. Um, we could have talked about the Iranian five-piece band uh, with Sorab Mahebi, Sardar Samast, Salmak Khalidi, Ali Reza Purasad, Yaha Alkansa and Shervin Shahimpur. We could have talked about them, but we missed 127. Uh, uh, 27 is a number because that's the day I was born, which is a nice number as well. So I know. I'm, I'm got, maybe, I, it's just, maybe she's just... Record this is episode 127. Stick it in. <laughs> say nothing happened this week. Cheers. Bye. Yeah. yeah, I might do. I might do that actually. I might just stick stick that in just just for posterity's sake. Or um, I could send you a load of my gold commentaries. and yeah. you, you can listen to it. Um, no, you're right. Thanks, mate. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, yeah. So um, I, that was uh, uh, quite remiss of me, and and I I apologise to everybody who's a fan of the number 127. I don't know how it happened. Uh, but it's entirely my fault. Never was. 
the show that never was. A bit like perhaps the season's going to be <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. uh, as we come around. Anyway, uh, yes, yeah, so we're going to move straight on and talk about the football. And of course, uh, again, we're going to have to start with Dartford. They got so close. Uh, I, I'd forgotten that the game went straight to penalties. So I was looking at it on social media and it was like nil nil, 10 minutes to go. And I had to go and do something else. And the next thing I know, they've lost 3-0. And I'm thinking, God, that must have been a late barrel of... Go- oh, yeah, it went to penalties. Uh, really, really disappointing defeat for the Darts, uh, who were obviously beaten 3-0 on penalties by Weymouth in the National League South playoff final. Uh, earlier on today, I caught up with uh, Steve Irving, who's telling me all about uh, how he hasn't quite got over it yet. And, uh, and looking ahead to next season, where hopefully there will be something a little bit more cheerful. Uh, so here he is, the Dartford co-chairman, Steve Irving. It's been just under 48 hours since uh, since Sunday's, Saturday's playoff loss. How are you feeling? Uh, not great. I mean, it's, it's very hard to take a, a playoff defeat. We've had three in five years now. And to lose in the, in the final in such a way, it's just, just dreadful. And obviously, you'd done so well to get there, and then a nil-nil after 90 minutes, and then it was straight to penalties, and that must have been a strange one. Yeah, we knew it was going to happen right from the start when the National League announced um, the protocol and guidelines. They said then there'll be no extra time. But what we didn't understand was why they'd added in the uh, extra substitution, so you could have five subs and no extra time. Didn't make any sense at all. I suppose it, it, it is just, just the worst possible way to lose as well, isn't it? On penalties, yeah, always. Um, in a final, even worse. Um, so it's, it was a, it was a double whammy, really. It was horrible. When we spoke a few weeks back on this show, you weren't sure if the playoffs were going to go ahead. Now that it's happened, are you glad they did? Uh, yeah, despite the defeat in the final, yes, I think I think we're we're, we're pleased that uh, we managed to get the games played. It would have been obviously nicer if we could have won the final. But um, yeah, I, th- I think um, in the end it was. Um, it was probably the right thing to do, uh, despite the fact it's cost cost all the clubs got a lot of money to do. So it gave us three three chances to uh, to get promoted. So it was a chance worth taking. And I suppose it must be okay. I suppose in the fact that if the new season does start in in what two months' time, you'll probably be maybe in a bit of a better position because at least you've been playing football and and you won't be as rusty as some other clubs. And I guess there'll be a determination to bounce back. There will definitely be a determination to, to bounce back. Uh, you never like to put yourself up as a as a favourite, but I'm sure people will and already have uh, suggested that it'll be you know us and Havens and Dorking and one or two others will be at the you know, the forefront. But I think you're right. I think given uh, the extra training, the three matches, and I'm sure that Steve King will have them back into training within I don't know two to three weeks' time and have quite a long run in just to make sure we're fully ready and uh, and we will definitely be ready for the 3rd of October if that's when the league season starts. Yeah, I mean, obviously that is the the big question at the moment, isn't it, with, with the crowds and everything like that. What's your gut feeling? Do you think we'll be starting then? Um, well, it, it really does depend on this next two-week period. Um, they've cancelled the pilot test programme, so... Uh, the league had said the 3rd of October would, and, and the government's guideline was that the 3rd of October could start with a crowd. What they haven't said as yet is how big the crowd is going to be or what percentage of a capacity we're going to have. So um, I'm a little concerned that if the, um, the change in, in guidelines for the next two weeks gets dragged on further, because then we may not be able to have the fans through the door and that would be almost impossible to do for, well, every club in non-league football. And with the, um, you say about, you know, possibly having to restrict crowds, I mean, if there's a percentage number, then there might be a chance you have to make games all ticket. And I guess that will cost you more money as well. Well, it depends what the percentage is. Um, You know, we've heard various rumours, but the most popular one is that it's going to be a third of capacity, which would actually allow us to have more than the average we had last season. And then we'd have to look at how we prioritise. And I think we've gone out with our season ticket prices. Uh, We will be doing so later today. And I think the easiest way is going to be that season ticket holders will take priority and then probably shareholders alongside them. Um, Those who aren't season tickets uh, and our shareholders will will get the priority. And then we've said, well, if season tickets sell really quickly and well, we may have to then limit sales now just in case it takes it over the... Um, the, 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 whatever the capacity might be. So we're still in un, uncertain uh, waters at the moment. We're not really clear yet, but we've got to start with, with something. You said earlier on about that the, the playoffs had cost a bit of money. I don't expect you to give me sort of any any figures, but 
was there ever a decision of of do we can we afford to do this and, and is it the right thing to do for the club? Well, it didn't take us long to make the decision. To be fair, um, we weighed up the costs of uh, testing, players' wages, and we were going to be away from home, so we had costs of travel. And as it turns out, getting the three games in the travel alone has cost us about five thousand pounds, I think, altogether, including a hotel. Uh, the, the league has said that they'll look at what they can do from any income that's derived through the streaming to provide some uh, cover for expenses for the playoff clubs, but uh, we don't know how much that will be yet. So, yeah, it's been quite a large sum of money for um, for every club. I don't know if you've seen, but uh, Jim Parmenter at Dover's released a statement this morning saying that by the end of the month they could be go they could be out of business because of the of the financial situation. And we know Dartford is is a really well won club. I'm sure you haven't got worries like that, but there are going to be clubs in that sort of dilemma, aren't there? Oh, I, I think there will be some that could be in difficulty if things don't get started very soon. Uh, I hadn't seen that. So quote this morning from Jim, I'm actually away for a few days, so I've not been catching up on those sort of things. I'd be surprised if that happened to Dover and he would allow that to happen. But uh, yeah, it's a definite concern. And yes, we are very, very well run and we've, we've kept a close rein on our finances, but that doesn't mean to say that we've got bucket loads of cash to throw away. We haven't. Um, we'll, we'll spend very cautiously and uh, within our means. And I suppose just finally, um... <laughs> Obviously, three defeats for, for Dartford in the playoffs, but your manager is his fourth playoff final loss. I mean, he must be feeling pretty down the dumps, but I guess his, his ambition now is to win it next year. He, he was very, very down, very down at the end of the game. I spoke to him briefly. Um, I've never seen him look quite so devastated. And yeah, it's four, four finals that he's lost, and I think it's seven promotion uh, playoff games now, or seven uh, occasions when he's been in the playoffs, uh, where... Uh, any of his clubs have not gone up. It was our third, and uh, that was hard enough to take. But yes, he's he's very he was very down Saturday. But um, having got to know Steve a little bit more over the last uh, ten months, uh, or however long since he joined us, he will fight back big time. And I know that um, he'll be looking to get a strong squad together for next year and making a real real push for the championship. It doesn't because, take um, anything away from the job he's done, does it? It wasn't, not at all. It's been a fantastic season and we were the full side going into the playoffs and we're unbeaten in the in the 90 minutes of each game. Uh, one, two, drawn one. So we're still on that run of, uh, of, of successful uh, games and, and that run hopefully will carry on and, and, and just will hit the ground running at the start of the new season. You could tell the disappointment in his voice there, Matt, couldn't you? Yeah. And again, I, I, I was out and about and I checked again. First of all, why it hasn't got extra time, I don't know. Absolutely ridiculous decision. Dartford might have lost in extra time, might have won in half time. And the point about the substitutions is very, very important, isn't it? What, what, the, well, bringing extra players on in the final 30 minutes, you mean? Well, no, but they'd, they'd, they'd let them have the extra substitutions during the game, but then said you can't have extra time. Oh, right. So... It, it, I, I, I cannot... Cannot make well, that, and I feel for Dartford. I have, I'm trying to look out on the penalties because somebody said they were bloomed them all over the bar, and I've been looking for the highlights on YouTube, but I can't see anything. I feel for them. When I saw it, they'd lost. My dad was a bit annoyed saying that because the BBC said Dartford won on penalties, so he rang me. Oh, got another Kent side next year. Well, I had to say to him, No, we haven't, Dad. So they've actually got it wrong. So I feel for them. I really do. They're so, so close. You'd rather lose 2-0, 3-0 than lose on penalties of going so close. And you've got to feel for Steve King. But as Steve Irving said there, you, you can't take it away. What a magnificent job he's done this season. You just... The thing is, they haven't got... Well, if the season starts October the 3rd, they, they haven't got much time to get over it, really, have they? So, yeah, I feel for him. But magnificent achievement. He'll regroup again. Got to be favourites for next season. Well, they'll be in the playoffs again, because that's what Steve King does. So, at least the playoffs. But heartbreaking and... Weymouth are back up, and it along with Altrincham. So, the National League has got a funny way of that clubs who go down eventually the full circle comes back up. Yeah, it's, I mean, it was as you say, they're going to be one of the teams that are going to be right up there next year. I think there's there's potential uh, for two Kent clubs to be slugging it out at the top of the table uh, as Ebbs Fleet also look, look the part. Um, but I think Dartford. We're almost welcome being uh, among the favourites, I think, because Steve King is, is is that sort of manager. And, and you can only imagine how devastated he was at, at the final whistle on Saturday. Oh, you know, fourth time he's lost in the final. You've got to feel for him. Absolutely. What a job he'd done. 
you know, we all know they overachieved this season. Maybe the squad may not have been right for the National League. We know how tough the National League is. It gives him another year to bring even more of the players he works with, how he knows and trusts. And they'll and they'll go again. But fantastic achievement. Fair play to Dartford. Spending five grand, wasn't it, on accommodation and travel as well. So you've got to give the, the board full credit as well, giving him the opportunity to do this. But just feel so bad for him. Yeah, I mean, to, to have got so close. And, and it's one of those difficult situations, isn't it? Because if you'd said to Dartford in November or, or, or October when Steve King was appointed, how do you fancy doing the playoff final? They'd have, they'd have gone, well, that's absolutely ridiculous. So that, that they did so well. And, and as I said to Steve there in that interview, I do think that they will be able to hit the ground running because they've had three games, even if it is going to be an extended pre-season, they'll have that more match fitness. At the start of the season, if it is on October the 2nd, there's going to be players out there who haven't kicked a football for more than six months in a, in a competitive game. So surely Dartford, from having that 270 minutes, are going to be feeling in, in a good way. And, and we know that getting a flying start is so important because if Dartford had started even half as good as they finished, they wouldn't be playoff losers they might well have caught wheelstone yeah i, I that's, a, that's a really good point there you've just got to dust yourself down probably give the players a couple of weeks off we'll go again coming so close but you know you've got to you know you know heartbreak for steve king four final defeats you know he has managed in the football league etc like that but he said it would be his biggest achievement and i just got to what you know i haven't seen the penalty so i haven't seen where it went wrong in that but just absolutely heartbreaking for them. And um, good luck to them next season. I, I really, you know, as I said before in this pod, my eye, I raised my eyebrows when Steve King got the job, but I'm quite happy to say what a fantastic appointment that was. And the darts are only going in one direction, I would have thought, under him as manager. Yeah, I think that they will certainly be one of the teams to watch next year. And, and we can only hope that it's going to be a, a, whenever things do get started. And obviously, uh, speaking to Steve there, he did make a couple of points. You know, we don't know when the season's going to start. And he was talking about the supporters element. And uh, in a couple of statements that have been released by Dover chairman Jim Palmer to this week, we'll get on to the second one shortly. Uh, but the, the first one, he was talking about how Crabble will be restricted to 861 supporters, yeah. was it? If, if the if the current guess is made. And, and that's that's going to be the crucial thing about getting football started. And, and you know, Mickey Collins spoke so well about it last week. And we've got to make sure everybody's well and healthy before anything starts. But it has to be with fans, doesn't it, Matt? Well, it, the consensus with everybody you speak to in non-league, again, non-league, you're seeing your friends and things like that. And clubs can't compete. Davis, Davis said 15%, didn't they? And the knock-on effect of that, of course, is which is probably just about their home. There probably is their home support, maybe up from that. But of course, they couldn't get, they couldn't guarantee young supporters getting in because, of course, if you're only getting 861, you want to make the most of the money that's all coming in. So they've got an issue there. But I have, I think, 30% seems to be, 30 seems to be, could be the norm, which for a lot of our clubs will be good. If it's 15%, a team like Maidstone, who get 2,000 every week, and I think their capacity is like 3,100, you're only looking 500. They're going to lose a lot of money from this. So there needs to be some sort of working it out from this. But Jim Palmer, to my no more than us, because he's in the, on the National League board. But after the cancellation of sporting events being tested like last Friday, you know, the consensus of go going, John, and we'll move on to this in a minute, is I don't believe football's going to be starting in, in October the 3rd for the National League. I don't know about the other leagues, but you can't see it, can you? No, I, it's it's just absolutely bizarre. And and again, I thought Steve Irving made a really good point there when he was talking about the uh, about how things will work with them and how they they might have to cap the season ticket sales at a certain number and try and how you go about getting it. And uh, you know, it's it's going to be a, a a strange old time. And you know, when we come back, who knows when that will be? But when we're back for the start of the fourth season of the Kent Only podcast, it will be interesting to see. How things have, have, have changed, and and you know, I, I'm just flabbergasted by it all. It's been absolutely bizarre, isn't it? You just again, luckily we're from a Kent, which doesn't seem to be much increased, but up north, etc., like that. The government will always, maybe they know more than we do, but that that bleak blow that sporting events could not be um, tested is better. And you only can think. I'm, I'm no medical ex- expert here, John. But if it's got worse over the next three weeks and looking at other things, in two weeks' time, it could be even a, another worse position 
and they're going to have to delay it again. And that is a knock-on effect for football. At the moment, last week, we got a bit of excited. October the 3rd, all, you know, I look forward to going out and watching the match. But the wind has definitely been taken out of that, unless we know in two weeks' time. And Boris says, yeah, we're going bringing it back on board again. But it really is, we keep going around in circles with, when season starts dates. And we probably didn't really discuss about a second wave or even the end of the first wave, did we? That football might not come back. No, exactly. We, I don't think we ever... Jim no. Palmer did that, didn't he? He couldn't see it in May till this year. And of course, when things got a little bit better, lockdown was coming in, you think, oh yeah, maybe, maybe he's, maybe he's got a point. Maybe not. It's, it, exactly. That, you know, well, I don't, it's just... I remember when we, spoke to, when we spoke to Keith McMahon uh, back in, uh, early in lockdown, and he was saying he didn't think we'd see football again this year. And I think, you know, the longer this goes on like this, you know, I mean, some of the things they're saying now, aren't they? They're saying everybody over 50 might have to uh, shield and, and the pubs might have to shut so the schools can go back, which is bizarre logic to me. Um, I, can't, it, I can't work out the game. I can't work out the correlation to that. No, nor can I. I, I mean, are, are they been swamped with underage drinkers since the schools have been shut? I don't know. Uh, again, we're, well, can you talk about it? It will kick off when the kids go back. And, and, and again... Kick as off, not kick off as in the uh, virus thing, but as in the discussion about this. Because you know, I know my daughter when she goes to secondary school, there's like 1,500 kids at this school, 200 staff. So, and you've got to think about the, the health and safety of teachers as well in this. And I know the unions are coming back out. It's the general correlation of where it goes. If, if the government is saying the schools have got to go back, which they probably, in my opinion, they probably have to. What is the knock-on for everything else? It's phenomenal. And sport is probably going to be low radar on, the, on the radar, isn't it? Even though people oh, want it back. Exactly. And, and you know, we've got to look and, and it's got to be about priorities, hasn't it? But, yeah, I would say that um, somewhere along the line, you, you've got to look at it. And, and, you know, you look at how other countries have dealt with it. And, and in France, they're saying they, they went up to gatherings of up to 5,000. And that would sort us all out. But when we, I know we've gone over this ground already, but... It's just so tough, isn't it? It's absolutely crazy for everybody. It's just with the furlough system ending and coming up and coming up, companies got to play. There may be more important things to worry about. Um, but I think it's uh, just one of the, we've just got to get on with it. The most important thing is people's safe health, basically. But yeah, I think football could might be taking a back burner for a long while at our level. Absolutely. Not good for our pod, but we'll it really isn't. And uh, it's not good for our, our loyal band of listeners as well. Um, let's move on then to our second interview. Uh, on Sunday morning, Matt caught up with Bromley manager Neil Smith. We, we've talked a lot about uh, the other teams at the top of the pyramid. We've talked about Dover a lot. Uh, we've talked about teams in the National South, but Bromley have been have been pretty quiet so far about their business. And uh, so we thought it was a good opportunity to catch up with our, our friend of the show, uh, an all-round good bloke, Neil Smith. So here he is talking to Matt. It's so difficult, you know, you get yourself motivated for something, you think, oh, right, I'll have a good week. Um, and you get the week done, you speak to a few people and, and nothing really happens. And then you, you've got to build yourself up for the following week as well. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's been really, really difficult. There's no template, there's no, you're asking advice from people and everyone's in the same sort of boat. And, um, you know, as I think the word is crazy at the moment. Yeah, but, you know, we'll start with, um, you know, or ages since before you announced a few players leaving yesterday, um, and this is a million-dollar question: Were they players that, if the season had finished, you'd probably be looking to release, or is it all to do with the finances? I think it's a bit of everything. You know, um, you know, we wanted to finish the season in and around the playoffs, and I think that you know, I think the one thing that we have had a regret that we couldn't finish better than where we finished at the end of the season without playing the games. Um, so that sort of uh, contemplated where I was with players. Um, you know, every one of them's been outstanding. Every one of them had a, a case to to stay, stay and sign again. But I thought, you know, um, with the situation it was, you know, there are financial implications that are going to happen. Um, and maybe with the players that I've already signed, they might have to, you know, just change it up a little bit and freshen it. And um, there was a combination of a few things really. But uh, you know, as I say, every one of them had a case. Um, if I'd have, if I'd have kept them again, I wouldn't have been any weaker. Right, so you mentioned about the. Um... I think Bromley and maybe Dover, the only sides who haven't announced any new players yet. You mentioned there that you've signed players going forward. 
Um, is that the case? Well, I've, I've, I've had the players already, you know, they're already on, on contract and everything else, so I had 10, yeah. um, stroke 11 players anyway, so, you know, I'm, I'm in a different situation to some who are starting right from scratch, but yeah, yeah obviously we're speaking to players at the moment, and, but until I know financially where we are and how we're going to start, how it's going to finish, how it's going to go, you know, it's, it's, it's a bit difficult for me to just go and sign players when, you know, there's people at the club that are being furloughed and stuff like that, so... Um, I've got, you know, I've got to look after the football club as well as my football team. And um, you know, once we get the go ahead and, and, and we can finally sort of put, put names on papers, um, at the moment it's a little bit difficult. Are you surprised that some clubs, you know, after the announcement on Friday, we don't actually know when this league's going to start probably now again, that a lot of clubs yeah, I, are signing I, I, players. I, I, I think we're a club that, you know, when, when we when we do something, we want to stick to it and, and not having that um, definitive. Right, we'll go ahead. This is when it's going to go ahead. This is how it's going to go, and this is how it's going to finish. You know, it's difficult for me to start signing players. I, w- I want to, you know, I'd, I'd love to. I'd love to be able to do it, but but so early on as well for seeing so many people committing. Um, I think it's fantastic for the clubs and for the players. But uh, you know, we, we're just we're just making sure that we're able to sustain whatever we say we're going to be able to do for the rest of the season. And I know. Um... People have said well, we, originally it was third of October. The announcement that at the weekend they were stopping, you know, test events with sports. Is that a concern that you know, like a lot of clubs, Bromley can't start the season without any people coming through the gates? Is that you're one of those? You agree with that decision? Yeah, I do. I, you know, it's, it's difficult. You know, it's not just that, you know we want we want supporters to be there to you know enjoy, enjoy the game of football. Um, you know, I think the thing that's come out of it, you, you now realise, and, and I think a lot of clubs are now realising how important supporters are to their club. So not to have them around is one thing. Obviously, the financial that come with it and implications is, is, is definitely the next. You know, we only we only have a budget of what we think is sustainable through what we bring in, and obviously the supporters and the you know coming in. You know, especially last year we averaged two thousand supporters last year, you know, it's unbelievable and we want to achieve that again but you know, if they turn around and say, right, you've got to start the season with no supporters and you know, all of a sudden your, your sponsorships as well, because you know, they're sponsoring the club, they the supporters to see their sponsors and see what they are, we're a very um, local club, we're in the community and we want to keep that going, you can't you do that if you've got no supporters, so as a club, yeah, we, financially we need supporters, we need the, the backing of the sponsors as well um, they're not like some, you know, someone's just going to throw all their money into it. It's, 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 not, it's not a viable situation. So, um, yeah, all of a sudden when that sort of, you hear that, that rumour, all of a sudden it sort of holds your lap back a little bit because that was a glimmer of light. As soon as there was a start, it was like, right, here we go, there's a, there's a positive bit of uh, news. Yeah, and I think Yeah, I think a lot of you know clubs lower down the levels as well are now thinking it's not going to be viable. But we don't know what's going on in the future anyway. If you heard, I know Jim Palmer at Dover said that the capacity could be capped at fifteen percent. Have you heard anything about that or anything? What, I, what I, like? No, I, I think there's, I think there's a lot of rumours, a lot of chat. You know, at one stage it was thirty percent. You know, ten percent. You know, that's not going to sustain clubs, you know, it, it wouldn't sustain ours, you know, 500 people coming through the door or 750 people, um, we've got a big enough stadium, you know, that, that could cope at, cope at 30%, I can see there not being the way supporters, and it, you know, you've got that bigger area now for the supporters to go into and spread out, you know, as long as it's, um, you know, and it's a safe environment, I think a lot of clubs are now having to adapt to it, it's, it's got to be, it's got to be more than 15 Mm. If that's the start, and then I, over a couple of weeks, I, I totally get it. Um, but I think you know, the, the, the quicker they can get, the, you know, or the safer it is for sports to come and watch a game of football. I think then you can start looking at a football club and saying, right, this is what's sustainable and this is what isn't. Have you had much communication from the National League about what's going on? I know, I think there's a meeting this week coming up about organising yeah. things. But if, what, what's the communication from the league been been like in your uh, opinion? I, I must admit, I, 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 you know, I think I think it's. Um, it's not been great, um, you know. I, I think they need to be a bit, a bit more firm with the league. I think they, you know, we are caught in the middle. You know, the, the, obviously we've got the south, we've got the north, and ourselves. And after that, it's run by the FA above us. It's run by the league. 
And at the moment, we're caught in the middle of everything. You know, we try to, I think the National League are trying to please everyone, but it's just got, you know, they've got to please the National League, you know, all, all league clubs. That's, that's not just the, the national one, that's the, that's the South and North. And um, I think we've got to be a little bit firmer. I think we've got to be a little bit more together. Um, and make sure that we, you know, when we all come out of it, we all come out of it well and healthy. Um, and I think there's, you know, maybe a little bit of privileges for some than, than others. But um, no, I, in my own instinct, I think we, we need to do a bit more. Maybe there, there needs to be more communication with the clubs and a little bit more, um, not advice, but, you know, ideas from clubs that could help the National League. And if, if we can sort that out, then hopefully we can get it clearer. But, at the same time, we've got to be make sure that we are sustainable. Yeah. Again, have you have you got a date for when the? I presume with the, with the furlough system going on, you know, we we don't know if it's going to start the third. It may do. We don't. Have you got a date for the players coming back, or have they started pre-season? Because some of the clubs in the league, no, not at the moment. They, they're, they're all doing their own thing. Um, we're, we're, we're going to have a meeting or a chat um, this week uh, to see what what where where we can start, how we can start, what we've got to do. Obviously, there's stages to tick um, and make, make sure that when we come back, again, it's sustainable and we can do it and, you know, it doesn't it doesn't affect us in any way, shape or form. I know it's a long time away from the players. I know what they're doing. You know, I speak to them regular um, every week and make sure they're okay and, that, you know, we have given them a sort of plan to do but, you know, it's hard when you're, when you're on your own or, you know, you're cycling and you're running. It's going to be a hell of a start of the pre-season because I think the first thing I've got to teach them is how to do their football boots up show them what football <laughs> looks like because they know what a bike looks like at the moment they know what a, a 10k run looks like yeah. but you know there's the goal there, there's some lines now you've got to stay inside of it. Uh, you know I'll, I'll, I'll get a big chalkboard out and show them what a football <laughs> pitch looks like what about you personally Neil you know you're a bubbly character how difficult has the last few months been for you it's, it's, it's been really difficult you know I, I like to be you know in and amongst people and um you know, and I love the interaction with the players, the coaches, and even the staff at the football club are amazing. And and, and in that isolation period, it, it was really difficult. Obviously, it was great because I had my, my children, my wife around me, and you know, you spent a lot of time together, and um, you know, probably more time than you expected. But um, yeah, there's been some low times. I'm, I'm not going to lie, um, but obviously, you know, with the chairman I've got and the directors I've got, you know, we do communicate, and we've had you know the Zoom call and stuff like that. And, sort of try and lift each other and give you some positives and um, as I say last week was a positive when the league date was announced this is when it's going to start and then obviously you're down again because you, you hear what could happen on Friday and um, you know that up and down feeling isn't great it's a bit like a roller coaster of a season you have your good games in your bag but you know you have a, you have a, a week to get yourself sorted to go again this, this has just been so long that you know you, you're trying to find positives and, and, and little lifts in, in, along the way um, but you, you sort of look back and you just think I've never been out of this this, this amount of time mm. um, in a season without having a football match to go to or you know even if you weren't involved you went and watched it and you were, and you were with your mates and you, you, you were with your brothers and stuff like that so I can only I can only imagine what it's like for a lot of people out there and it is difficult and if you are lonely if you haven't got that support mechanism but you know we've tried to do it at the football club where there has been that if you, if you have been down the players need to speak I was always at the end of the phone Likewise, my chairman and my directors have been exactly the same with me, and it's um, you know you've needed to call upon people, and I don't think that's going to change for a little while now. The National League has now been well one space could you know the promotion playoffs being played this afternoon. Sides that are coming up, disappointing for Dartford, I suppose, isn't it? It would be nice to have another local side in the league. Absolutely gutted for him. You know, I know Kingy well, and uh, I know he's you know he put it out there that he's lucked. You know isn't great in playoff final, but, you know, they go to penalties and you just think, well, this could be your chance. And, you know, obviously the ending wasn't the greatest one. We'd have loved them to have come up that local derby, normally around Christmas time as well. They're competitive. They're a fantastically well-run club. Love Tony Burnham, everyone associated with Dublin. So that would have been a great, you know, after losing Ebbsfleet as well, would have been a nice replacement as a local derby. But, um, you know, obviously Weymouth come up now. That'd be another tra- uh, journey. I know Mark Mulsey very, very well. I was with him at Gray's. Good guy. They seem a club that's on the up. Obviously, Altrincham are back up as well. So, um, More miles you know, for you to go. <laughs> pardon? More miles for you to go. Yeah, no, no, exactly. So, um, they're, 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 the characters are back. Obviously, we lose we lose two fantastic clubs, or one of the fantastic clubs that are in the playoff final today. And, um, 
you know, both were being in that final, to be fair. Yeah. So, and uh, finally, we've got one of our Kent sides, Corinthians, who reached reached the FA Vars semi-final before this game. They could be playing the Vars final at Wembley in, in front of um, no crowds. And, uh, you know, I was there two years ago in Bromley at Wembley and it was a fantastic atmosphere. How would you have felt if, you know, this was the situation now and you had to play Wembley behind closed doors? It must have, you know, it, well, it would I, take I it away. You've got you've got players that want to play at the whole you know the, the holy grail of football you know the, um, they get that chance and the supporters of that club want to have that chance as well that's why you want to get there you want you want that those supporters of that club to appreciate and, and, and get their moment where they you know the tr- it might not even be the game it might not especially for us it wasn't the result but it was the it was the build up to it and that ang- you know, the excitement and, the, you know, the meeting up with your pals on the way up there and the whole enjoyment of getting into Wembley and everything else. To, to have that taken away, it does take a gloss off. Obviously, to win it, it's, it's a massive achievement, but to not achieve it with the supporters there and not to play in front of those supporters and the supporters at that time, at that cl- uh, you know, going to Wembley as well, as I say, uh, I think it'd be really difficult. You know, it must be an eerie situation when you're in a, a, a stadium that, that massive and just playing on your own, you know, you, I watched the, the cup final yesterday, it just, you know, it didn't seem the same afterwards when you're picking up your own medal off, mm. the, off the counter and the captain just walking up, picking up trophies, there's no one to celebrate with it. You know, it's great that you've won it, but you want to you achieve anything you want to achieve in football, you want to achieve it in front of your supporters and make sure they feel part of that, you know, winning formula as well. I think they, they've done it right, haven't they, Bromley? Yeah, I think... I think Bromley and um, Dover are the only ones who haven't signed any players yet. They've been quite quiet. We, we you know, for the start of the pandemic, Bromley were brilliant, um, really out in the community. They're a great community club, but they're keeping their powder dry. Um, I'm sure Neil Smith, he's sitting there, he is talking to players, but he, the most important thing is the future of that football club. You know, the money they were getting in from 3G, I think they could open that a little bit more. So they've got some money going in on that basis. But yeah, I think that, you know, they've come a long way, Bromley, over the last few years. And as you said, their um, capacity, you know, average attendance, 2,000. And the most important thing is getting those people back safely. So I don't think, I think the owners are very good. They've built the infrastructure of the club and they'll take their time of what they need to do to bring, to, to sort things out. And when we get onto the Dover situation, there's probably a lot of clubs who are spending a lot of money when maybe they don't necessarily know if they're giving out people's contracts when... You don't know when the season's going to start. But Neil Smith, top man, you know, he mentioned in there, he's always said it's a bubbly, but as a football man, it must be difficult in not seeing his players. You know, he should be getting ready for the season to start this week. So it's been tough on people like that, but he probably will come back stronger. And there's certain clubs, I think, um, not particularly well run, but I would never, ever put Bromley in that in that bracket. No, absolutely. And and I thought what was good there was that he was saying we, we can't be signing players and, and making making these moves in this way because we don't know what's going to happen. And, and it's not fair on anybody, is it? No, no, exactly. And he got rid of some players on that. Um, and I guess he got rid of the physio and the um, goalkeeping coach. I didn't really ask him about that. If, you know, Big Jim Stannard left, if it was, if it was cost-cutting. But it, it may be that they have to look at the purses elsewhere to, to bring players in. But we'll have to see what happens. Yeah, and um, let's move on then and talk about Dover. And, and obviously, the Dover situation wasn't really a thing when you spoke to Neil Smith. But uh, statement from from the Whites today, Matt Jim Parmenter saying that basically the club could go under by the end of the month. And um, I mean, obviously, we'll we'll talk about the whys and wherefores of that. But if that happened, mate, what what would you do? Um, well, it's the death of my football club. Um, and. <laughs> And again, there's certain football clubs, as you know, John, that I couldn't give two hoots about, really. Um, and there's probably people who couldn't give two hoots about my football club. But, you know, it'll be heartbreaking. You know, I've spent all my life going to watch that club. I'm hoping that it's not going to get to that. Jim Parmenter wears his heart on his sleeve. Um, he put a lot of blood, sweat and tears into that club, you know, building a new stand um, to do what he thinks is best. And, Maybe he's asked the players here, come on, you've got to give something back to me. But I don't know the where's and where's about. And players, you know, not everybody can take a 20% um, pay reduction uh, in this day and age. What will happen is that footballers probably get a bad um, bad press, don't they, if they've said it from there. But Jim Palmer has to do what he's got to do. He does top up Dover when the income comes in. He does put money into the club. 
which probably in a lot of national league clubs and in our level club people do so he's got to look at the overall effect of it all but I, I did hear that last we did hear of the right that players will be taking pay cuts and Dover did offer a bit of contracts over last year and they're paying decent money and maybe they decided that isn't the way to go especially as a game part-time and we'll just wait and see I'm led to believe that they don't have to play the players off but if the players can find another club doesn't have to be on the same money they're at Dover they can go so some clubs will take the meat off the bones I'm absolutely sure but Maybe this is just the tipping point, John, for other clubs as well, that the last six months are going to be really tough and they maybe cannot pay the players going forward. Yeah, I mean, I obviously was quite tongue-in-cheek when I said, what would you do? And we would all, as everyone, should be devastated at any football club uh, that we might lose over the course of um, uh, of all this. And, and you know, I, I've got the statement here in front of me, a uh, statement from Dover Athletic Chairman Jim Palmer says the board have been busy assessing the club's financial position and immediate future due to the very difficult circumstances. The club is still un- unsure of its income in the coming season, but the board are clear income will be greatly reduced. The club has 14 players under contract for next season. And at a meeting last week, the position was explained in detail to, the, to them. At that meeting, players and staff are to accept a 20% short-term reduction in salary to assist the club in its efforts to stay solvent keep the club alive, bearing in mind the club will move from four to three days training. The management have accepted the proposal. However, unfortunately, the players have not. Therefore, it is a great regret I must announce all of the squad are now available for free transfers and immediate step. I must further inform supporters that if a solution or further investment cannot be found by the end of August, it is likely that directors will consider the club insolvent and as a consequence will be forced to cease trading. Uh, the directors are doing everything they can to keep the club afloat but have reached an impasse and require the support of our playing squad. Now, I guess where we really have to applaud Jim Palmer is no one else is coming out and saying that, is he? No one else is saying this is how bad things are. A lot of people are just sort of just saying, oh, yeah, it's going to be all right. And, and you see other clubs in the National League spending, spending, spending. Well, that's not quite the, the, the way it is, is it? No, with the furlough system, again, the furlough now, the, the club has got to pay national insurance and tax uh, this month and tw- 10% of their wages next this uh, the following month and 20% from there. So... There must be a lot of clubs. I know Barnet last week. Barnet, when they lost in the playoffs, released a lot of players. And there's a bit of concern about Barnet, but a lot of players have gone because they've had, they were on decent wages because they were football league wages when they got relegated. And they've had to take a 50% pay cut. There must be other clubs like this. How, how, if football, I don't know, I don't know how football contracts are. All I know is my mate plays for deal. His contract, he gets paid when the season starts at that level, Skeffel. And I hope he doesn't mind me saying that, but he gets paid, you know, he's, he's played Skeffel. He's hardly, you know, pulling up any trees, but he, he's making extra money from football. So all these other players, the other clubs are signing, does their contract start 1st of August, 1st of September or whatever? So there must be other clubs who are spending money and get no income, unless they've got income coming in from somewhere else a lottery, 3G or whatever like that. But that's what I can't get my head around. Somebody like Oliver Ash is probably good for this. He's been a friend of the show in uh, Maidstone and how it works, how the contracts work. Does it officially start when the season starts? So you can start playing then. So technically, you can sign all these players until the season starts and we know that there are people there, they can start playing. Races. I've got no idea. But there must be other clubs who are going to be in the very much the same situation that they can't afford to play the players. If they've, after they've unfurloughed them, or yeah. after unfurloughed them. What is interesting as well, though, was obviously that chat with Mickey Collins last week. He spoke a bit about uh, about contracts yeah. and, and, and having contracted players. And I, I don't know. I, I was quite taken aback by that because I would have also thought that, that they'd get some money in pre-season if they're having to turn up, you know, the same sort of time with with the same wages and everything. So I was a little bit surprised to, to hear that that. Basically now all these players are, are doing it for, for nothing. And, and you mentioned Oliver Ash there. He did actually reply to uh, to Mickey to um, what Mickey said on last week's show. And he said, you know, it is a difficult time for everybody uh, in football, and and it's really really hard to 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 to, to question things because it, it is going to be unprecedented scenes. And Maidstone know more than most about the possibility of losing their of, of losing players and and. And losing fans is is the big problem, isn't it? Yeah, you know, Maidstone have had the problems before. Nobody wants to see a football club go out of business. Um, have we seen? And I, 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 I don't, you know, I'm 
don't, I don't think Dover would go out of business from this. If they had to play with kids or whatever, they would have to do that. Because, as everybody says, Dover have been in financial problems before and Jim Parmenter rescued them and he took them from the Ryman South and nearly one game away the playing at Wembley to try and get to the Football League. So he's put a lot of blood, sweat and tears into this and see it from there. I just think he's looked at it and said, right, it's not... If, if this hadn't happened, we'd all be kicking off and all be looking start to the season. But it has happened and clubs have got to... Who maybe have overspent. You could say Dover maybe have overspent a little bit. They've got to look at their, where they're going to go from here. So, you know, I don't want my club to die, mate, but... I don't want your club to die. I, I have to find someone else to do a podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, but it's, it's just, but this is it again. It must be that it must be clubs just putting their heads in the sand and say, "All right, this," because it's going to be more and more. Because I don't believe we'll be starting in eight weeks' time. I cannot, unless something miraculously changes and there's a, a vaccine which we can pick up and we're all okay. But I just can't see it. And how are clubs are going to do it for save the money? I just don't know. No, uh, just to clarify, Oliver Ash did say uh, last week uh, to us on Twitter, yes, wise thoughts from Mickey Collins. We're all in a nightmare scenario here. Those clubs used to big crowds in small stadia face even greater budgeting problems. Uh, restriction of 25% of capacity could cost us £400,000. I mean, that's pretty stark, isn't it? It's, 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 I think, well, you know, I think they were trying to put in a budget, in, uh, playing budget for these sort of things. But again, on this, Dover players are going to get absolutely pilloried. They are on social media. It's not fair on them. But you don't know the circumstances from that. Maybe lucky footballers, you can always get another club. But if, if I was told at the moment I'm furloughed, when I'm when I'm not working, I get 80% of my wages. My company is not doing thing. And if they said to me, right, from now on, from 1st of January, you've got to, we're going to 80% of your wages. You know, I'm not in a position to turn that down because I haven't got another job to go to. And maybe footballers and I don't want to criticise footballers, John. You know where I'm coming from here. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and I'm looking yeah, at okay. it. Someone said to me before we moved to the B&B, you're going to lose a, a day's work and a day's, and a day's wages. You, you would have to sit there and think, well, I, I'm pretty sure I'd be like, well, if I can find what I'm currently getting paid elsewhere, I'll do that. Yeah. You know, so I I, I completely sympathise with the players, especially those that are under contract. If you've got a contract that says you earn... X amount a week. I've got no idea what a Dover player earns, 50p a week, something like that. Like and that. then Jim Palmer says, oh, actually, we're going to pay you 40p a week. Then things, then you yeah, would look I mean, and you would say, hang on a second, I'm not having that. No, no uh, football got cr- cr- criticised before, because I've got loads of money. Prior end of football's easy one to dig at it. But you don't, we don't know the circumstances of, of what a player has. So I think it's, Difficult for the Dover fans. And I'm not going to criticise the players. If they don't think it's right for them, you've got to look out for yourself. At the end of the day, you've only got one life. And if you can't pay your bills, you'd have to try and get it from somewhere else. So I'm not going to criticise the players. The club is bigger than the players. And eventually, if if the players move on, they move on and new ones come in. That's what it is. So, But it, the players have to do what's right for them. And, but it, but uh, and the things as well, Matt, is, is the numbers we're talking about, yeah, they're, they're well off. Let's not beat about the bush. That they're not poor on the on the wages that I would imagine a Dover player is on. But you budget to your means. If you've got a more, if you if you have got in your pocket, I'm plucking numbers. So if you've got in your, if you know that you've got twelve hundred pound a week coming in every week after tax, whatever, and you're looking for a house, you would go with a mortgage and say, I've got this money. You go and get a mortgage, and I've got this much money coming in, and you might. You live a lifestyle and you, you can't just expect people to just drop their money and all of a sudden say, oh, well, it's all right because you're having a bit of a struggle. I'm prepared to do it because a lot of these players do live like hand to mouth and it's a short career, isn't it? It's not as if they're, they're going to be able to earn this money for the rest of their life. You know, a different situation for people like yourself working in, in, in an office shop. You've been there a long time. I expect they pay you about 1,500 quid a week as well by now. But, you know, it, it's a different situation. And I think people look at all the money going around and think, oh, well, all footballers are minted. That's not the case. And they've got to look after, look after themselves. I'm sure they love playing for Dover Athletic. They love nothing more than finishing 90 minutes half graft and seeing you summon him over to a, a cabin on the far side at Crabble. They need to look at it and think, well, we've got to look after ourselves and make sure that we're OK. And if they can go out there and 
that they've now been made available for free transfer, say one of those players gets the same offer somewhere else, then I'm afraid they're going to go, aren't they? Exactly. And they've all got agents and the agents, football's a, everybody knows what's going on. So they must have had a, a look in for this. And and there will be clubs that will pay them the money, I would have thought. Do we, we don't know if it's what the market is. We don't know in the Football League how many players are coming out of the Football League and where they're all going to go. Dover will probably get new players and these ones go on. I don't think you could be too critical of it. You don't know everybody's circumstances, so I'm not going to criticise any player for saying anything about that. It's just it's easy to criticise footballers. I'm not, and I don't know the players' players' circumstances. Fair play to Andy Hessenthaler and his backroom staff. They've taken the 20%. Uh, and from there, but it did say in that a limited time, didn't it? So I presume they might have got their money back within the statement at that point. Or didn't it say something in there in the statement that you could for a limited time? So I don't know if Dover were going to top up the money as well. Did it say that in the statement? Uh, I think I it probably. Uh, so the 20% short term reduction in salary. Yeah, short term reduction. So it is just, just to, to get things going. But. You know, as I say, they're obviously just assessing their their options, and and I think anybody no, no, in that yeah, situation exactly. would. Yeah, you've got to look at your business. Any business in this situation has got to look at their business model. Dover looking, maybe looking to change theirs, and unfortunately the players don't agree with it and go from there. But I'm not going to criticise any of the players. I've got if Jim Parmenter is the chairman of the football club, you know he's rescued them before, uh, and and he's got to do what's best for the club. So and, and I don't, and again, we don't want to see any club going out of business. No, we really, really don't. And fingers crossed that things do sort themselves out at Dover. Uh, and it might even be a chance for a, a, a new a new brush for, for, for the Whites, mate. Yeah. Oh, you know, I don't want my football club to die. I, I'm not saying it's going to. I don't think it probably would. But we've been here before. You know, we've seen it with, you know, with, with certain Kent clubs having issues. And we will continue to do that. And the level of football, maybe this is the discussion for another day. We need to look at the regionalisation of it, which we said before, of where we're all going. The travelling is Dartford cost £5,000. And all they went was to Slough, Haventon uh, and Weymouth. So Weymouth is a bit of a trek. But the other two, for three games, you you know, when you think of half the games are away from home and the travelling costs, you can see where maybe regionalisation is the way forward. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not a fan of regionalisation, and we'll discuss that later on. Uh, but we we'll have plenty uh, of time to do that going forward for the rest of the year, probably. I'm pretty sure we will. But uh, yeah, it's not particularly my uh, my 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 uh, preferred way of doing things because I think that it it just it causes the problem is is when you look at things like that, they would regionalise it north and south, and then teams in the south would lose out, and teams in the north and the teams in the north would be fine. Teams in the Midlands face to face a 50-50 chance, and that just doesn't work. You know, I just think that it's it's Really, really, really. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it just doesn't. It just doesn't. Something doesn't sit right for me because I mean, it, Dartford play in a regionalised league, and they've still had to go to to Weymouth. So what should it be? National League South East, and then what do you do? Because in the Southwest, there's not as many good teams, so you, you end up making your competition worse and weaker. So I, 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 it's not for me, but we, we will probably discuss it. No, yeah, it's uh, it's going to come up on the horizon elsewhere, I would have thought. This this is a story about all these clubs is going to run and run. You think it's eight weeks to the start of the season. Do you all think in that, really, this is, you know, this is like June if a normal season and everything's going to run. But so, yeah, I, I really hope that the 3rd of October we kick another season, but I know everything changes, but I just can't see it at the moment. No, we're still waiting uh, today on Monday to hear about the FA Cup and which teams will be in the FA Cup. There's been no announcement yet. A lot of people were expecting something about one o'clock today, but uh, the FA not doing anything just yet. And I don't know if that's all uh, tied in with the fact that now supporters uh, can't kind of get, won't be at any of those games in September as things stand. Um, who knows? But we would like to find out um what's going to happen uh, with the FA Cup and the FA Vars uh, and the FA Trophy, I assume, as well, uh, before we finish the show. But I don't think that's going to happen. Um, so let's move on then. Uh, as we said, this is our last episode of the season. So we thought it would be a good time uh, to run through the, the highlights of the past year, I suppose, from, from, from a football point of view uh, in the county. It's been, even though the season didn't actually finish for any of our teams apart from Dartford, uh, it's been a, a brilliant season of, of football. We've had 
high scoring games. We've had players absolutely flying. We've had FA Cup upsets. We've had all sorts of things. So, Matt, I suppose I should ask you, what was your moment of the 2019-20 season? Um, probably you think about it, probably Dartford getting to the playoff final where they were in October. People would have said you're mad. He could do that. I think Tunbridge Angels staying up. I think Tunbridge Angels were going in the right direction when, um, even when the season was uh, curtailed. Um, disappointed for Ebsleet. Kevin Watson came on. Brilliant guy, Kevin Watson. Disappointed for them. And there go again. Uh, and the scaffold. Love the scaffold. I, I said before, never really listened to what, knew too much information about the scaffold. We know there's so much now. What a great league that is. Got a feel for Corinthians getting to the semi final. Will they get their day in the sun? I really hope so. But really, all in all, it's the people who listen to this show and the clubs are out there and we, we really appreciate it. And look, we go again, but it's a lot of really good people out there from the scaffold up to the National League and who really enjoy football. And um, we appreciate that and we just want to see it again. But I think probably, I think the turnaround in Dartford has uh, got to be up there. I'm just Maystone didn't have a great season. Margate didn't have a great season. You know, we think Ashford with Tommy Warlow. I think we, it, if it had a season had finished, John, I think we'd have been from quite a few of our sides from the scaffold, not from the scaffold, from the Devon Bostick South East would have been promoted and we'd have had a couple of, a couple of maybe even a couple of sides in the um, National League South. So look at it, it'd be a season of what could have been for a number of our clubs. I think looking back, my highlights are probably involved cup games. I mean, obviously you did mention Dover beating uh, South End there in the, it, in, in the FA Cup, which was obviously a great day for them. Um, but also, uh, looking back really early in the season, uh, Sutton Athletic from Scaffold Division 1, they, they went off the boil towards the end of the season. But they not only beat Ashford Town Middlesex in the league above, they absolutely hammered them. And, and that's the sort of thing that makes covering the Southern Counties East League and all the teams in it just so interesting to see those sorts of results. And so I think that's kind of my highlight of the season, the, the, the cup success. And obviously you mentioned Corinthian there. I was there when they got into the quarterfinals and, and, you know, it, it, it was great to see them doing well and, and how much it meant to them. And, and we can only hope they get the chance to, to replicate that again, or even get the chance to have that Wembley day out. Yeah. I really hope that they can do that okay we don't know when it will be maybe a test event so they may be able to get crowds in but yeah I feel I feel for them there particularly after last season as well when they came so close and missed out on the final thing but you know there's some good people behind that club they'll be going for it next season when it all starts again but yeah it's been absolutely fantastic every single listener who's listened we, we really do appreciate this and the people who are in clubs every club's been involved and and everybody loves their football club and they just want to see football back add life back to normality and I really hope that can happen soon yeah um moving on then to to manager of the season uh Matt a few sort of suggestions knocking around uh Steve King obviously has to be in the running uh, Neil Cugley again doing a fantastic job what about Tony Russell at Cray Wanderers after mm. their impressive season and of course Michael Golden had Corinthian in the FA Vars semi-finals uh near the top of the league challenging and all of that without a playing budget but for me it's between those those four I think and, and you know obviously Michael Golding big friend of the show has the same initials as you as well but I, I just think from looking at a newly promoted team I Tony Russell has done a phenomenal job at Cray Wanderers. And, and for me, I think they're pro- he's probably my manager of the season. Brilliant job. Got players in. He knows players. Got Joe Taylor absolutely firing. He got Ryman Player of the Year. Michael Golding, you mentioned, that the key part of that statement you said was about no budget. He's done it two seasons in a row. Next season, probably a little bit tougher in the scaffold. But just the, right, let's do it again. Let's do it again. He wants to learn, wants to get his side um going you have to give that and Steve King unbelievable job I'd love to if you listen back John I probably was slated of Steve King when he was appointed I think even on the radio show we used to do back in the day we were like oh, I remember that. Like, yeah but I think I probably was I think it was yeah I, I thought no you know short-term appointment you know but unbelievable job and I, I felt for him on Saturday how when he sit when he with those penalties going over the bar he must have been absolutely heartbroken but yeah I, you've got to give it to Michael Golden from that he They would have got to Wembley, absolutely convinced that the meticulousness of his as a manager, what he does on no budget, as well as his job as a school teacher. You have to applaud that and the players that he brings through. And And I like it that if Corinthian get a little bit of a gem, they'll move up the league. And he's quite happy to let players do that as well. So 
completely with Owen Sharp. So we'll go, I'm going for Michael Golding and and it hopefully third time lucky for him next season to get promoted, but in a really tough scaffold. What about a uh, a player of the year? You mentioned him there, Joe Taylor. Uh, obviously, uh, Jack Evans at Chatham Town was absolutely phenomenal throughout the season. Uh, Ira Jackson, friend of the show, has been really good as well for Folkestone. Uh, young Paxman there as well has done really well. Uh, Dan Bradshaw, of course, just kept scoring and scoring and scoring and scoring again. Uh, I, I I find it actually hard to to pick one player. I, I don't know about you. Well, one point, I'd put in George Ellicobi in that for when you go to Maidstone. He's for like a cult figure, driving the team on, big signing for them. I thought he's been good um, from that point of view. Uh, you know, absolutely had some decent, you know, had some decent performers. Jack Payne, I think, he's doing really well since he's really been there. That's a big signing for them next season. Elliot Romain, Darren McQueen. So there's really probably, you know, Joe Taylor. You've got to maybe give it to him, John. 28 goals in the Ryman. Probably would have hit 40. Um, absolute on fire. He's loving his football. Um, so I think, it, and he's a friend of the show, and I've met him in boots this year. <laughs> I think it's got to be him, really. So if I see him in boots again, I'll say, well, you're Matt Gerrard's non-league player of the year. And what an accolade that is. That is what everybody would want to see. And as I say, if anybody does have any more thoughts on that, uh, then do please get in touch. Uh, I've just been doing some, uh, during the first part of the show, I've actually been going through and doing some stats. Uh, <laughs> this season, the, the season that, that has got on and on and on, the 360-odd day season that we are that we are just finishing, uh, I'd like you, Matt, to guess how many different people from how many different clubs we've had on the podcast as guests. Um, 30 people in 20 clubs so maybe that's a bit high we have had 36 different clubs have been on the podcast this season from the National League all the way down to the uh, to the uh, Scaffold Division 1 and we have had 60 different voices interviewed as, as well as that we've also had uh, a couple of legends uh, and, and a couple of supporters and that German journalist that you found somewhere. But 60 <laughs> different managers and players from non-league clubs have appeared on this podcast over the, the past year. And I personally want to say a massive thank you to every single one of them, because this show is absolutely nothing without you. And we we had a bit of a chat last week uh, when everyone was talking about how much they, they loved the Mickey Collins interview. And we were like, well, if we didn't have Mickey Collins, then we wouldn't have got that. And and it, it really and Mickey Collins is, is the is the man for me because um, he was the first person I ever tried to get on this show when we started doing this show three years ago, he was the first person that I rung up and said, can we have a chat for, we're doing this new thing called the Kent Lonely podcast. I've never actually spoken to him before. Um, and he phoned me straight back and was on the show. And that just gave me that little bit of belief that actually this is worth doing. And as we've gone on through the show, we found so many great stories out there. So many great people, so many great managers, so many great players. Yeah. There are managers now that I'm sure we're both in the same boat that we can just text and say, Oh, how are you talking about, about signings, about other football news, bits and pieces like that. And it's absolutely fantastic. And and we, we feel really humble that people do want to get involved in this show and do give up their time because at the end of the day, it's just two idiots talking about football. So to every single one of those 60 people, we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. I will second that, John. Yeah, people, me ringing people up and they always ring back. People like Neil Smith yesterday. So, yeah, it, it, it's it's a labour of love in a good way. Is that the right way of describing it? Labour yeah. of love. I, I really enjoyed doing it, and it has been tough the last few months, hasn't it, John? But we've I think we've always managed to find a story or somebody who wants to come on and discuss it. And arguably, we've been going round and round in circles <laughs> the last few months. But I think it's been enjoyable. Um, I just I miss what I miss going to watch a match, and and I'm sure. Um, a lot of people there, but hopefully we filled a little bit of a gap for people out there. And I think most important is once I've done this, you know, I knew levels of the National League and the National League South and a bit of the other clubs. But I think I've now got an overall scope about Kent football. And I will always say people don't say Kent. I've said this before. Bore him again. Kent people don't say Kent isn't a hotbed of football. But I can say from this show and from what the people we know, it really is. Football means a lot for a lot of people in this county. Yeah, and uh, I do also have in front of me, Matt, the exact number of people who've listened to an episode of the Kent Nonny podcast in the last uh, 
in this season since we started in on July the 31st last year. Um, yeah, we done. I think it was well. I've just divided it by 52 because I'm assuming we've done one a week. We haven't. We've obviously had some weeks yeah. off. I think it, 87 was the first one of the season. So what's that? 46 we've done. 45, 46. Yeah, well, I forgot one, of <laughs> course. And a couple of weeks we didn't do one during the yeah. lockdown. Um, I can tell you that our most popular city that we have listeners in is is London, uh, followed by Maidstone and Gillingham. Our most po- popular country, obviously, is the United Kingdom, uh, followed by the United States and then Australia. Wow. Uh, and most of the listeners come through the mobile SoundCloud app. Uh, would you like to hazard a guess at how many people have listened to the show? G- g- give me a, a number that you think it might just be over. Because we're not... 47 episodes. Yeah. Average of that. Put it in your computer. He's um, he knows roughly the average that listen every week. Yeah, uh, 15,000? Over the course of this year, there have been 20,658 plays of the Kent Only podcast in various formats. So uh, every single one of you out there, we are so grateful for that. Uh, that is absolutely phenomenal for, uh, as you say, two blokes sat in offices in uh, in two different counties just talking about football. So uh, if you are one of those, you've obviously added to our stats now if you're listening to this sentence. And uh, we just want to say a massive, massive thank you. And of course... I have to say thank you to my good friend, Matt Gerrard. Uh, we have uh, done plenty of shows together. Um, this podcast, obviously, we've done 132 of them now. Um, we, 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 I count Matt as a, a very good friend of mine, and I always appreciate him giving up his time because, obviously, we know he's not just a, a, an employee. He's also a school teacher these days, yeah. but he always makes time for the Kent Only podcast. So thank you, Matt. I really appreciate it. No, I appreciate that, mate. No, I appreciate everybody who listened. That's, a, that's a unbelievable, man. If we charged a pound, John, I know. Could have retired, but there you go. I did somebody. I did read somewhere. Somebody was doing it. Uh, does a podcast, and they'd have to start charging a pound from now on. I don't know why. We would never charge anything for this. And thank you for Workforce Dimensions for 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 being the sponsor. Uh, we really appreciate that as well. So absolutely, yeah. Um. So yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much it for for this week's podcast for for this season. Uh. And yeah that's that's the way we're going to go we did kind of uh, reveal last week that there will be a season four of the kent only podcast when that will be who knows that's the defining problem we've got no idea but do keep in touch with us we're on social media at kent nl podcast on twitter uh, you can find us on facebook as well just search for us i on twitter am at john phipps 81 matt is at matthew underscore gerard uh, thank you again everybody for listening thank you to every single person who we've spoken to uh, thanks to steve irving and neil smith this week uh, for their time and of course i've said it again but thank you everybody for listening and we will see you soon for the, this fourth season of the Kent Only podcast. Goodbye, goodbye. Wipe the tear, wipe the tear from your eye. Beautiful.